Hello, hello, and welcome back to the DBU Athletics Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Smith, and this is episode two. Hope you enjoyed last week. I had a lot of fun uh, talking with Marcus Wood, the head women's soccer coach here at DBU, uh, along with three of his players. They're off uh, to a good start to their season, and hope you will follow along, dbupatriots.com. Uh, but if you didn't hear it, go back and give it a listen. And not only that, do us a favor, subscribe to the podcast. We love telling these stories. Our athletes and our coaches love telling their stories, and uh, we want you to hear them. So uh, make sure you subscribe and you're tuning in every time an episode drops. Remember, for the next three weeks, we're going to drop one every Tuesday, and then after that, it will be bi-weekly, and that's going to get us all the way through to about the middle of December. I guess there could be some exceptions. If some inspiration hits, we may have another podcast or two. So thanks again for being here, and let's set up this week's episode. It's going to feature DBU men's soccer, and it's their head coach, Jess Job, as well as their assistant coach and former player, Riley Unger, and the story of DBU soccer is quite honestly, in some ways, just now beginning. Uh, coach Job is in his third year as the head coach at DBU, he took over a program that not only had never been to the postseason, but it also never had a winning season. That all changed last year. DBU not only got into the Lone Star Conference tournament, but they earned the number two seed, uh, and and that was a historic moment. And there's an some great audio that you're going to hear in this podcast of what happened immediately after uh, DBU clinched that spot. In the Lone Star Conference Tournament for the first time in school history, uh, Jess and Riley not only talk about that, they talk about the, the experience in building a program essentially from the ground up. Uh, there were growing pains, and, and I genuinely appreciated how Coach Job uh, he admitted that he felt like he got some things wrong last year, even though it was the most successful season in program history. Uh, so building a culture and then building a winner takes some time. And uh, the journey with DBU men's soccer, it has been a blast to watch. So we hope you enjoy this one. Before we go, my son is here. He wants to say hello. hello. That's Noah. He's excited for this podcast. Are you fired up too? Yeah. All right. It should be a lot of fun. So thanks so much for being here. Head men's soccer coach here at DBU, Jess Job, along with his assistant coach, Riley Unger. You went to Italy, didn't you, this summer? Yeah. With yeah. the kids? Both of them? With uh, with like 18 family members. And Holy cow. both our kids. And yeah, there was uh, uh, eight kids under the age of 13 total. Sterling's three? Sterling's three. And Josephine was just born, right? Josephine like was... Six months ago? Yeah, she was like seven months. Seven months when ago. When we were on the trip, yeah. Where'd yeah. y'all go? So probably the highlight for me was when we were in Naples um, and Napoli had just won the Scudetto, the Serie A title. And, you know, they loved Diego Maradona there. The last time they had won a title was like 33 years ago. And um, he won a Champions League, you know, European titles with him. And so he is, I mean, he's just, just short of being idolized there. So we got to go to Maradona Square, which is where, they have sort of a, kind of a tribute to him or some kind of you know, just um, memorials of, of when he died, especially it sort of blew up and there's like a three-story mural of him. And so people were, you know, kind of coming in to see that. It's sort of a site that you want to go see. Yeah. So that was pretty cool for me. But That's awesome. Yeah. Did y'all go see Messi a couple of days ago? Did did we have the money? <laughs> did, you didn't want to drop like six yeah. grand or yeah. however much it was. Goodness, yeah. Um, would have loved loved to have done that, but yeah, those it was it was those wild. Tickets were unbelievable. Yeah, man. and it you know you look back afterwards, a couple of days later, you're like, yeah, I probably would have been all right spending fifteen hundred dollars on yeah. that experience. I think right before they dropped a little bit, like if you if you were patient enough to wait. And get it maybe like an hour before mm. the game started. You might have been able to get some for a few mm. hundred dollars, but everyone that went was like, "Yeah, that was yeah, that was worth it." I yeah. mean, yeah, you got what you paid for. It was pretty crazy because he scored what six minutes in, six minutes in, and, and then, he scored in like the ninety sixth minute to tie it or something like that. I think I know a couple of our boys made it out there, but I saw like tickets behind Inter Miami's bench were going for like twenty thousand dollars a piece or something like that. It's insane. It's <laughs> incredible. It's insane. Uh, well, I want to tell just a little bit of y'all's stories just individually before we jump into 
basically building a program from from scratch, if you will. Uh, but you know, Jess, this is your third year, uh, and Riley, obviously, third year uh, with with Jess uh, on, on his staff. Um, you coached three years at, at Northwestern State as a co-head coach, which is that's an interesting uh, relationship yeah. there. You and your wife, how how was how was that? Uh, at Northwestern State, man, it, it was it was a lot of fun. It really was. We look back on those years, and and I think there's a lot of it. In at the time, we we didn't fully appreciate just what we were doing and the opportunity that we had. Um, man, it really feels like now looking back on it that it just flew flew by. I mean, there was there's a lot of challenges. Um, probably the biggest challenge for us was just how to switch it off because work would just go home with us. You know, there was just no there was no barrier between being at work and not at work. And, um, you know, a lot of the times work and soccer and our team and team dynamics would dominate our, our discussions at dinner and, you know, just kind of play out fester throughout the weekend. And so you didn't have kids to distract you either. Right. So it was, no, that's all you had. Yeah. Yeah. Sterling was born in 2020, which was, uh, you kind of leading up to our, our last year, um, there. So, he uh, he didn't get a lot of that experience and won't remember any of it. But yeah, for the most part, mm-hmm. you know, for three fourths of that experience, we we had no kids and no distraction from that end. And so yeah, it was, I've mentioned that to my wife, and she's like, "I would kill you." There's no yeah. way that I could work with you every single <laughs> yeah. day. So that's a testament to y'all's relationship. Yeah, that's I mean, nice. we get we get comments like that pretty frequently. Yeah. You know, there's always um, there's there's always a reaction to that of like, how how do you guys do that? Um, we had some great role models, and Paul, Paul and Marcy Jobson, uh, our married couple that was were head coaches. Uh, well, not co-head coaches, but Marcy was the head coach at Baylor going back many years. Uh, I think they split time basically, where Marcy was the head coach for eight years, and then when their family was growing, Paul was the head coach. But they worked together, and um, our model, you know, very much followed a lot of what we had learned and observed from them. You know, Anna worked for for them there at Baylor for six years, and got that experience and you know they're just they're great people have a great family and they managed to make it work so that was that was an encouragement I think that we needed um, that we we had a model that we knew was proven it had worked and that gave us I think a lot of kind of wind in our sails to, to keep going knowing that yeah it's going to be hard but uh, you know it's possible maybe we can do it yeah and I think the story of that that program is pretty similar, I think, to the, the program you're taking over here. They hadn't had a ton of success recently, and, and then you guys are getting into the conference tournament, the Division One level. But uh, you were super familiar with, with DBU because you were here for seven years uh, as an assistant under Michelle Leonard. And when this job came open, uh, was that where you kind of thinking, man, I, I want to get back to Dallas? Or, or how, how did your interest peak where I think this is this is a new step that I want to take in my career? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um you know, and that's mentioning another incredibly strong influence on my coaching career is Michelle Leonard. And speaking of Baylor, yeah, you know, speaking of Baylor and those Baylor ties. So, um, you know, we've got got a lot of reason to you know root for their success. And um, you know, Michelle is a great mentor and and someone that showed me a lot about the game as I was a young coach and you know the relationship piece of it. And you know, with her influence uh, on me and, and the, the Jobsons on Anna and then kind of collectively putting some of those things together, we owe a lot to those influences. But yeah, it was actually Michelle that, that called me. I was, uh, we were, we were on the road, we were traveling, uh, we were still kind of in our season and, um, you know, or, or spring, I, I actually, I guess it would have been early spring maybe or late spring, but we were, we were on the road, we were traveling. I remember being with, with my team at Northwestern State when Michelle called me and, um, just said, Hey, this is going on. This, this there's an opening here. Um, and you know, would that be something that you would be interested in? And so that was flattering, you know, just of being someone of mind that, uh, you know, she felt like she could work with uh, in terms of the relationship from men's head coach to women's head coach and kind of building two programs together or really, you know, building one alongside, you know, obviously an incredible program that she had built. So uh, when she called, I initially really wasn't all that interested at all. Um, I just I f- I felt like we were on a really good trajectory where we were. Um but you know, um, God works like that sometimes, and and that um, a couple days went by. I was like, eh, maybe it's something I should kind of hear hear out a little bit. Maybe I should look into this and you know be praying praying about that. And just 
maybe if that that door's cracked open, maybe there's something there, and um, and that just sort of grew and grew and grew, and obviously, you know, led to me putting in an application and you know exploring the opportunity fully, and uh, and it's 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 hard to look back and think about not taking that step. I love where I'm at. I love what we're doing, and um, you know, I love love the the changes that we've seen take place and in, in, in the transition and. Uh, we do have family here in Dallas, and that that took, that was a big part of it, just uh, being back close to family. So, and before we we jump into that that transition and how the program's changing, you you get this guy here, Riley, who who uh, second all time in starts and minutes in men's soccer history at DBU, um, and just kind of synonymous with DBU soccer. Uh, for you, Riley, you you had finished playing in 2019, and was it two years that you were working in the athletic department? Is that right? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. And. Was the itch to coach there, or did that kind of did that come out of nowhere? Uh, I mean, it kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. I think the itch, just the soccer itch, is always going to be there. You know, playing soccer your whole life, then coming to playing collegiately, um, and then kind of taking a step back from it and not really having it in your life. That itch always kind of stays there. But from when I was a player, uh, Jess, we had a, like a pre-existing relationship because he, even though he's on the women's side, he would spend some time with us at some training sessions and stay around for some games on the sidelines. So just, we got to just to get my timeline right. You were 2015 to 2019, yeah, 12, and then you left in 18. Is that right? The yes, okay. January yeah. of 18. So there were a couple years. Yeah, of so yeah. the fall of 2018 was my last fall, and I graduated in spring of 2019. So my first three years. Jess would have been here and then not my yeah that's right that timeline's right now my senior year and so I got to know him pretty well um and actually when all of you know kind of the transition was taking place I think the day that I found out there was going to be a change I asked Michelle if uh, Jess had applied and I uh, wanted to see and I remember her saying like well he's not too sure yet type thing Um, but that was something that I was hoping for um and then you know once he did apply I, I was fortunate enough to not really be a part of like the hiring process, but because I was a former soccer player working in administration, they just kind of let me sit in on like one of Jess's interviews and just you know, ask a soccer question, things like that. And so um, I was really pulling for him and it, it pumped when, um, you know, he kind of got the offer and accepted it. And then a couple weeks after that, we just spent some time getting to talk in and, you know, he just asked if um, this was something that I'd be interested in and thought about it. And, you know, one thing ended up eventually leading to another and kind of throughout his kind of search process ended up fortunately picking me, which is awesome. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, I think the biggest pull for me, if I, if I, if it was for another program that I hadn't been a part of, I'm not sure if I would have been as like eager to get back into coaching or the game, but because I had played my four years here, graduated from here and I uh, was still around it. I, I was just like, yeah, I got to do this. Was the administrative role sort of something that you were looking into long term? Yeah. In, yeah. in athletics? Yeah, athletics. Like, I, I just love collegiate athletics as a whole. It's just, you know, so much of my life, and this is also just DBU, like, so much of my life changed when I was a student athlete here that I love the opportunity to get to pour back into the people. And honestly, being a coach just provides a fantastic platform to work and build a relationship with our boys and get to know them. And, hopefully, you know, lead them in the right way and, and things like that. So it's been a lot of fun. Well, I, I, it's fun for me because my office is right next to you guys. And so <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm sitting in on recruiting calls yeah. and coaching conversations. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I can yell at you from down the hall every now and then and give my input. That's but, right. Yeah, uh, which you definitely don't want. But uh, I want to just start at the beginning, if we can, and, and just go through what this past two, now going into three years, has been like. Because you take over a program that had never been – Never had a winning season, much less going to the to the conference tournament. Um, in year one, you get five wins. Last year, you end up second in the conference. You get that first berth. Um, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but for you, Jess, when, when you take the job and you're sitting in your office day one or wherever you are day one, you're thinking, all right, we've, we've got to maybe change the culture. I, what, what are you thinking there? How do you narrow the focus of what you want to accomplish with the program on, on day one? Yeah, I think the first things were trying to just get a good idea of where things were. Um, you know, make sure that I, I had a healthy understanding of where I needed to, to kind of pick things back up. And um, and I think in every culture, no matter what is going on, uh, every team, every program, um, there's good things. And, and so you, you, you want to try and pick out what, you know, what are the good things I want to continue to try and build off of, but then also what are the things that need some, some big changes or that my my leadership or my style, my philosophy might bring. 
Um, so the first thing I really wanted to do was just try and get a good idea of, you know, what's been going on. Um, what's the feeling of the players right now? What's the feeling of the administration? Kind of, you know, what are what are the the big issues we've got to kind of solve, and then what are what are kind of the good foundational pieces that we can move forward with? And you know, that's really where Riley was was instrumental. Is you know, coming in, he was immediately someone that I knew. Um, you know, knew personally, already had a relationship with him, had a, had kind of a background with him. So he's an easy guy to kind of pull into the office and say, you know, tell me about this guy or that guy or what's been going on, kind of what are your observations, you know. And, and even though he wasn't a player or on the coaching staff anymore, he he had been watching, right? Like he had he he knew a lot of what was going on, and um, so he was someone that answered a lot of those types of questions for me early on, and. Um, and then in, in terms of the hire, I mean, he, you know, I really needed somebody who was going to get on board quickly, you know, and just see the vision and just go, you know, jump, jump in and jump, jump, like just with me, you know, and whatever challenge was going to be ahead of us, just someone that was going to be you know, trying to figure out how to get over him and not, you know, run up against him. So, uh, Riley, Riley was that immediately. I got that sense for him, from him. And, um, you know, he's, uh, He's a beast in the office. I mean, he 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 organizes us in in big ways, and um, I think there's a good balance there in terms of the things and strengths that he has. And so, um, yeah, I can't can't really imagine. I think I I think I made a great hire on that. Well, that I would end, imagine so. having a, a former player it, it gives some credence to what you're trying to do if he's if he's on board for sure. But Riley, I don't how many do you know how many guys were on like your teammates. Um, when you started coaching, so them? the only, oh, I think, our first year, I think it was only Jonathan Leach and Sergio Garrido. They would have been freshmen my senior year okay. in 2018, and I think, and like, oh, Ethan Martinez was one. Morgan uh, Garrett Morgan Garrett Morgan was another. Yeah, man. That, yeah. So, but Leach and Garrido were with us for two years, so they just graduated this past year. So those are the ones that stick uh, come to mind immediately but now there's nobody on our roster anymore that i had played with did you sense any pushback at all and what did you sense was the biggest thing that that needed to happen with oh, the program? man um you know i think something that we always go back and talk to, to like or talk about when we have these conversations is like just setting very clear and high expectations and standards um that's something we did you know from day one jess came in and like you know he had obviously has had success at the other schools that he's been at and so like, these are things that work these are things that will probably work here like at dbu and like let's test these and um they're setting these clear expectations and honestly you know um a lot of the guys that were a, like a part of the program um when i was still playing to like when we took the transition like uh, peyton franklin jonathan leach come to mind immediately like they were super bought in and like they wanted those expectations they welcome they want to win yeah, yeah they want to win and they like they saw where we wanted to go um and so i i think there was a lot of like getting on board with that of course you have you know some we've seen a lot of you know transition in our roster and you naturally have guys when you get kind of a little bit of a new coaching staff in charge that don't necessarily see eye to eye or agreeing and those just kind of fizzle out um but i i think that was you know, just some of the success that we've seen so far is in a tribute to guys that have been a part of the program in the past, seeing where they wanted to go and just it, it not necessarily meaning more than the guys that weren't here, but they just know where the program was and one and like we're like, oh yes, well, of course it's going to mean more yeah, than them. Yeah. yeah, let's go, let's go. Um, but I think from like a player to coach relationship, as of like playing with those guys, you know, I. I tried to balance that a little bit um and obviously it's honestly it's easier being an assistant coach than a head coach finding that balance um i think they were just bought in as well i, I attribute a lot of that success or in that relationship to this those guys being willing to listen and um just stay bought in i don't know if you're going into to year one thinking all right we're going to just take our lumps here at, at the expense of building culture but what was that first year like you got off to a hot start in fact four games in you had won more games than they had won the previous year, you're three and one right out of the gates. But mm-hmm. what is that first year like? What friction uh, was there? How difficult was that? Yeah, and I think with uh, with Riley touching on that, um, you know, he he brought in you know passion for what he really felt like the program was capable of. You know, seeing some things, and you know, I I, uh, I started gaining respect for Riley uh, w- when he was a player, and just having that opportunity, as he mentioned, kind of working with him as a player. Um, and seeing that he was someone that 
you know, was, was focused, was, was, you know, he worked hard. Like he had some of the qualities as a, as a player that I want in our qualities in our players now, our current players. And so, um, I felt like it was going to be a really easy transition. So, you know, speaking of getting somebody on board, but also it was just fired up and passionate and like really wants to see this thing move forward and, and be successful. He brought in a lot of that energy. And I think that helped, helped the guys, uh, kind of, you know, just feel like there was something new, there was something different that was coming. Um, and we, you know, that we, our, our big win that year was, was knocking off, uh, St. Mary's, uh, in San Antonio and, and doing it in overtime. And, um, like there was, there was just a sense of belief that was starting to grow of like, we can play with some of these teams, you know, we can, we, we, we deserve to be on the pitch. And, um, there was, I think spells of, uh, of the opposite of that also. So we had to kind of get over some of that. We had to, to kind of get this new identity going and, uh, I don't really know if I knew what to expect that first year. I think, you know, there was there was some talent. There was there was some really bright spots on the roster. It's just whether or not we could kind of pull it all together. And I think the biggest challenge was probably really instilling the belief that uh, you know we can win games and and uh, that the 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 past or maybe a, a lack of you know having some winning seasons in the past doesn't necessarily have to dictate our success right now and. Uh, you know, we go out and, and, and believe that we can get a result every time we step out, and that was something that was kind of new. Was there a moment where it kind of clicked where you thought, hey, there's the trajectory's upward at this point? Like, can you think of a – maybe there's not. It could just be – that might be a too grand of a question, but a specific moment where maybe you think we're, we're on the right page here from either one of you guys. I think that St. Mary's game okay. was, was really, really important. Was that early in the year, or was that – Yeah, it was our – it was our non-conference meeting. So they're you know, a conference opponent, but we're meeting them out of conference. So it was before conference points, unfortunately, right? We would have loved to have three <laughs> points from that. Yeah. But, um, you know, and St. Mary's was off to a hot start. Um, you know, they're, they're receiving notes, uh, votes for national ranking. And, um, you know, I, I think what was really important about that also is that we found ourselves trailing in that game. And mm. so to, to be down and then to come from behind – equalize late in the game force overtime go on and win it was something that I don't think very many players on the roster had kind of felt that or or been a part of not just winning I mean there they, there's some wins right they'd won games in past seasons but you know now this is a a team that's receiving votes nationally that had had some not just success in our conference but success on a national yeah. stage and you know, we walked away from that game with a win. So I think that was, that was huge. Um, there were also games following that where we let ourselves down, where we were in positions to win. We were, we had opportunities to, to kind of go two goals ahead late or something like that. And we didn't. So I think there was, there was a learning curve on how to win. And there was a learning curve on, you know, how to, to maintain, kind of the the mentality that is needed to to do that consistently and I think that's where we kind of you know pick up in year two and really started to see some momentum of you know we we uh you know we're, we're a team that other teams don't want to play like there are there are things that we are doing that make it really difficult for our opponents let's keep doing that and and uh you know if we can can do some of those things well then we, we might win some games yeah. you know we might find ourselves in late in the season with some meaningful games to play so do you feel like that moment of clarity was the same for you oh, Riley yeah. yeah um so our first year so 21 we opened up at UT Tyler in Tyler uh lost I believe it was 1-0 yeah I got the schedule up here yeah, one nothing. lost one nothing uh had a couple chances you know good chances to get some goals in that game but um uh, I remember thinking like you know we came up short in some areas, but we played pretty well overall. I thought just been UC Tyler, they were pretty good. They're always a good squad. So, and then we had we we did Senior Day really early that year. I believe it was our second game, our first home game. I'm seeing it here, yeah, yeah against, against Southern, Southern Nazarene. Nazarene. And I think they were also receiving votes at that time. Um, I could be wrong, but so we we played really well. We won that game, and obviously just our first home game as a coaching staff, getting the win was awesome. Um, when was the St. Mary? So St. Mary. So that that was September 18th when you beat Southern Nazarene, and then a week later is when you yeah. when you went to St. So Mary's. that was, man, that was just like like Jess had said. We come from behind. We went down. I think we went down pretty early, 
um, and then won it in overtime. And I remember, like, young coach, uh, that's my first ever kind of experience like that. And I, I like, ran on the field to celebrate like a player <laughs> with with Fernando. And I know, like, obviously Jess just walked straight over to uh, Coach Clifford at St. Mary's and shook his hand. I was like, man, that's I can't be running on the field anymore. It wasn't his first yeah, rodeo. Well, yeah, yeah, it wasn't his first rodeo, so I can't be doing that stuff anymore. Well, they say act like you've been there before. Right. You hadn't. I so. hadn't. Yeah, so <laughs> I, um, <laughs> yeah, that was the last time I'd done that. Um, but, yeah, that, that game was just awesome. I remember, guys, I believe the year prior – in that shortened COVID year, they lost something like four or five nil to St. Mary's in San Antonio. And so remember guys talking about that and it's like, man, this is the first time we've ever beat St. Mary's. Like this is awesome type thing. So I I think it did instill a lot of belief into the boys. We, and we had some good results that year. Um, we came up short in our last UT Tyler game, um, but got some revenge on that this past year. So um, I I do want to get into year two, but I think maybe from a coaching staff, you might be so close to it that you miss what's happening. Like, you know, miss the forest for the trees, so to speak. But from our, from the outside view, looking in the momentum, like you could sense it and you could sense something was changing. And so you go into year two and it was the most excited I had been just thinking, man, what, what's happening next? So what was the difference from that? first off season when, when you first get the job to all right we got a year under our belt now we're going into year two um what's what's the difference in those off seasons as, you, as you're going into the start of your second year yeah well ending our first season uh on a really disappointing loss i mean talking about uh being in in primary positions in a game we're up we're up two nothing versus ut tyler on the final day of the re- regular season with the chance to we win that game. We we go to the tournament for the first time in the program's history. We squeak in as the number six, and you know, but then at that and then who knows? Yeah, who knows? And, and at that time, that was the 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 goal. I mean, that was the highest goal we could kind of imagine for ourselves was was getting into the tournament and playing a postseason. I mean, that was kind of where the where the program was uh, in terms of the belief that the guys had and what we were we were doing and setting out for. Uh, so, you know, we give up. I believe about 17 minutes late, we give up the first one. I think there was about nine minutes left when we give up the second one. Um, you know, it's kind of stalemate for the next seven, eight minutes. We go into overtime and lose within within 60 seconds. I think it was maybe like 44 seconds. 44, yeah. 44 seconds on a on a set piece corner kick, um, and we just sort of lost our mentality. And I think I look back on that, we were we were disappointed, um, but. I remember walking around to players after that game and and trying to kind of lift them back up, especially guys that were going to be returners. And there was, you know, I think a calmness about how I was doing that because I think that's that's what we needed at the time. We needed to lose that game. We needed the heartbreak. Um, It felt like it would almost be too early for us to to kind of break through that first kind of big accolade. We make it to the tournament and all this. Um, because we started year two with a lot of fire in us, you know, there was there was uh, a majority of our key players returning who knew what it would mean, um, and they knew that every conference point matters. I mean, that's something that you have to learn the hard way. There's there's no there, there's no conference point that's not going to be meaningful. I mean, if it's if it's a tie that we can turn around from losing late and, and get a tie, well, then that's, that's, that could have huge implications, you know, and there were games we looked back at and we could have been in a different position on, on the last day, but that's, that's what you've got to do and play in the present and play every game. And I think that's been one of the things that we were just better at starting off year two. We were better at just focusing on that opportunity um, and not letting the big picture kind of slip away from us. And we, we did that. We did that early, early in the season. We lost some some tough games, but we were, we, you know, we didn't start very well, uh, which is eerily similar to our Anna in our second year at Northwestern State. Uh, we started that season zero and five, and I think we finished the season uh, with thirteen wins, like thirteen eight and one or thirteen eight and two or something like that, and. Um, we, you know, it looked like it just wasn't going to come together. There's a similar kind of feel uh, in year two, but we just had a little bit more maturity as to kind of how do we pick ourselves back up and enter into the next game with belief and, and just learning how to you know, win games and go into games when, you know, no matter what, just kind of focusing on that one opportunity ahead of us. It's probably easy to have that perspective now, but I remember, you know, you 
start against Colorado Christian. It's a scoreless draw. Then one one tie. Then one one tie. That's right. Uh, and like, man, you're so close. Just these guys just need a win. Uh, right. You lose to UT Tyler five to one, and then you get that first win. That's but right. as you're going through the first couple weeks of the season. It has to be hard. Now you look back and you have the right perspective, but it had to be difficult to say, hey, we've got to keep our head down. We've got to keep working. What are you thinking a week or two into the season when you you just can't seem to get yeah. that, that goal that you need? Yeah, that was a, a funny time because I think it took us five games to get our first win, and that brought us back to 500. <laughs> you know? We're 1-1-3, one, one, and, and we're like, man, we're on top of the world. Like We, we, we win one more game. We've got a winning season going, you know, so – um yeah it was it was difficult because I think especially with some of those early results um you know Colorado Christian especially a similar program uh in terms of kind of historical success like we felt like that was a game we could win we felt like that was a game we probably should have won we we earned some really good opportunities and you know the 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 tie in that game felt like a loss to us, mm. which was another one of those kind of encouraging pieces for us as coaches. I think is that we we were witnessing a team who you know is is taking a tie really hard, and we're like we're oh, yeah. we're, we're getting somewhere with this group because you know, we all felt like we had lost that game after we had tied it, um, and it was the same too. I mean, I think a little bit different feeling versus Southern Nazarene the next game, and that they were a really really quality opponent. We knew they were going to kind of challenge us in a little bit different ways than what we had seen uh, the, the previous game versus CCU. But um, we we had big chances. We had we had big opportunities to, to kind of take the go-ahead goal, and uh, but so too did they. I mean, I think uh, Alex Nepper made probably one of the mm-hmm. best saves we've seen over the the last two seasons, and maybe maybe for a long time in my my career, he probably should have never made the save. You know, it's one of those moments you look at the striker and say, hey, "Look at everything you've got to aim at," you, and you di- you know he didn't finish it. But um, you know, we having said that, we we could have lost that game also, so that you know we were disappointed in a tie, but we knew it was a quality opponent and. Uh, you know, we, we kind of carried on with that that same disappointment. So, you know, we, we felt like as long as we were learning, as long as we were growing, as long as there's something that we're taking from these games, and, and yeah, maybe it wasn't the result that we wanted, but there's, you know, some growth that's taking place. Um, that was sort of the trajectory that we tried to get our, our players to focus on. And um, I think early on we did a good job at continuing just to kind of put our all right, fixing our eyes on the next opportunity mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just taking taking every game one at a time. I want to talk about specific games in just a second, but, Riley, you, you're 1-3-4, and four, you know, eight games into the season. <laughs> yeah. There's seven games left. You guys finished 5-2 and two uh-huh. and, and end up, you know, number two seed in, in the conference. But when you're 1-3-4, you're and four, maybe can you put yourself back in that mindset of, of what you guys are doing with the team and what you're thinking at that point? Knowing how talented you are, knowing the goals yeah. that you had, what are you yeah. thinking at, at that point? Uh, uh, you know, there's definitely a little bit of frustration. I think, you know, after that uh, Southern Nazarene game, uh, uh, host Northeastern State for our home opener and had a great atmosphere. It was awesome. Like our athletic department did a really good job of getting students out to the game and all that and go up early in that game. And, you know, towards one, one thing that we had to work through last year was, like, we, we would get a lead, um, but towards the end of the game, like, last 15, 10, 5 minutes, we would just start, like, trying to, like, hold that lead rather than continue to push. And we'd, like, start to sit back deeper and deeper and deeper and welcome more pressure. And ultimately, it's kind of what happened against Northeastern State. They got a they got a, a equalizer uh, in the second half, and, you know, uh, we were close to winning it at the end. I think Leo Larson had a shot just outside the 18 that one of their center backs laid out for to block, and the goalie was nowhere near it. So if the center back doesn't get it, it would have gone in the net. And then, obviously, UT Tyler just – like, it was – that's one of those games where, like, it was – you just kind of look around. It's like we're not necessarily, like, make, like just doing – playing horribly. We just had – some really bad mistakes that led to at least three or four of those of those goals and so you look at it and it's like things that are super fixable um and you normally wouldn't even happen um and so we still had a lot of confidence and belief and i attribute a lot of that to our boys as well like in our leadership on our team last year of like continuing to push and show up at training every day like we're almost there we're knocking on the door we're knocking on the door we're going to get there um but i think the game 
that changed a lot of that for our guys was our conference opener against uh, Tammy U at home, well, winning five to two, and you know that was just a really fun night. Played really, really well. Obviously, got on the score sheet five times, which I think might be the most uh, in program history, mm-hmm. or it was at the time, or something like that. And so, especially for a conference game, so that was a lot of fun. You know, obviously, conference games mean just a little bit more. It's a good time uh, to get yeah, hot. It's yeah. a good time to get hot, and then we we were doing really good. Um, the flying from that game, and I think that really, you know, kind of you know propelled us into the rest of the conference uh, season. As you get towards the end of the year, there, there's a handful of games that stick out. Um, first of all, senior night, uh, Peyton scores twice to become the single season. I'm partial to that because it's the only game that I called. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I got yeah. excited about it, but uh, yeah. So Peyton scores twice, and you're on the cusp uh, at that point. First of all, what a year uh, for him. Mm-hmm. Um, how special was that to to see what he was able to do uh, from a, cor- a scoring perspective? Yeah, it was uh, it, it was fun to watch. He, you know, attribute a lot of it to to work rate and consistency. I mean, every day, day in, day out, and he he plays games like he trains, and um, you know, he's just a, a humble guy who's always looking for more. Um, but I look over at Riley and I laugh because I, I guess it's my first opportunity to go on record and say he he, he was robbed of of the the offensive player of the the year in the conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, statistically, you can't make a comparison, and um, you know I think it's one of those things where we we aren't a, a program that's had historical success. Um, we we were you know unless we win a tournament championship, we're going to miss out on an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament and. You know, there's uh, there's there's other players in the conference that had good years, but we uh, and, and good seasons. But statistically, if you look at what he did in the conference, um, it, there's there was uh, you know it, it was it was it was disappointing for him to not get the recognition of being a, a tremendously important player to that year's success uh, and doing it from start to finish. Mm-hmm. There's not a little spell where you can kind of look at a game and say, well, he. He caught fire over these four games, but other than that, what are you looking at? There's not that sort of thing. He he scored early. He scored late. He uh, which I think is impressive because opposing teams have to be thinking that's the guy we got to no stop, doubt. and they can't do it. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and he scored in big games mm-hmm. when when opponents knew uh, that he was you know one of our our primary threats, and so um, I think what he did was very impressive, and um, you know proud of him for that. Um, but it could be, uh, hopefully, a similar story to us missing out on the conference tournament our first year, and that he's fired up. You know, he's 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 ready to go, um, and he still feels like he's got a little bit of something to prove to everybody. And I think that's a good spot for us to have him in. So, mm-hmm. the Lubbock Christian game where where you clinch, and I actually just went back and watched the highlights, and I like I got teary eyed and like chills watching. Like, man, that is such a cool moment. Yeah. Um, how did you contain your emotion? I'm looking at Riley because you know, w- with the four years you had yeah. in the program, knowing how much it meant to you, yeah. what was what was that like? Man. I can see I can yeah. see your eyes yeah. getting yeah. It's red. Almost, right now. It's almost indescribable. I mean, um, the boys just worked so hard all year, and obviously, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes and stuff like that. But that was just such a fun game, and you know, Leach gets the second goal, which just for him um, and like the injuries that he's had to go through throughout his career, the path that you know he's taken. Like to, like Leach, Leach did not play at all the very first game of the year last year, and like he came back for his you know fifth year. He chose to postpone his graduation and doesn't play the first game. And you know, once he got the, those minutes against Southern Nazarene, he wasn't going to lose them. Like the dude played on fire all year, and he gets a goal. Um, off of a corner set piece that you know one of our plays that we had run, which was just to see that to see his, you know the, the video that Will does a fantastic job. It was either Will or Dane that recorded mm-hmm. it, but like put it on uh, Instagram that night where like Leach is you know tapping his chest and all that, kissing yeah, the kissing the badge yeah. and the boys celebrating in the corner. It just meant so much. And then you know I'm we're on the sideline after we score that second goal. We're like we're going, you know, there was still about probably 10 minutes left after that, but it's like, we're going to the conference tournament. We're going to do it. We, we've done it. And then we get a third and it's just like, here, here we are. Yeah. Like again, ah, oh man, it's just it, nights at DBU, like at Patriot field are just so special. Um, I don't, I seriously don't think there's anywhere else to play like any, anywhere else like it that you can play at. And our boys feel that energy. I think we've just got great, support from the sideline all year long they just bring an energy like no matter if you're you know next up off the bench or you know you're injured you're not playing at all that year 
uh, had guys that were just so bought in and just seeing the passion and the goal celebrations. Uh, it, it was, it's awesome. It just see like all the hard work pay off and, you know, earn that mm-hmm. accomplishment was fantastic. It was a really fun game. We, that's the game. Like if we have recruits on, we show them like the little highlights on YouTube, like of the pre, you know, the post game breakdown or whatever. That's the game that we always show them. And because it just, there's so much passion and, mm-hmm. and energy in it. So it's awesome. Well, I'm glad you said that because I want to play something for you real quick. And then I want you to just tell us what your emotions were as you're talking to the team uh, after the game in that Lubbock Christian game. Extremely proud of you guys. So proud of you guys. Uh, <laughs> amazing, inspiring, incredible to be a part of it. Um, man, this is great. This is great. This is the occasion. This is the occasion we were looking for. We did it. Love you boys. Pretty pretty quick, pretty quick. We're gonna get to a point where where we expected this, right? This is what we came for. We came for three points. We're not surprised. We worked hard for it. We got it. All right. But maybe not just yet. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, I I uh, to, to you know for context on that, it, it's we we talked a lot. You know, and I think as coaches, we we got to be really careful about how we craft things in in the run up to a game, right? Or or like what the pregame message is going to be and some of that. And you know, we were a little hesitant on some of this stuff, but going into that game, it was like we take care of business now. You know, like this. We have a chance to do it tonight. We we're not going to put it off to the last night of the season. Like this is, this is the game. This is the this is the game that makes our season sort of thing. And I think that's where you get a little bit of emotion on, you know, that you're hearing in that clip. But also as Riley's how can talking you, how about can you it, not yeah. Because I mean, we 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 knew it was meaningful, and we knew that we were going to kind of feel the pressure of the moment. And with a young team, you just don't know. I mean, going back to that UT Tyler game. We had put a lot on that game because they were they were the team that ended our season in that dramatic fashion the year before, and so it's like, oh, they're going to come in, they're going to face us at home, like we're going to hammer them, and we get we got embarrassed, like we walked off, you know, embarrassed after that game, and so you just never know how the team, you know, is always, especially a young team uh, with the experience that we had at that point of the season, how they're going to respond to that moment, and so that's where that comment comes on. Like this is the occasion that we were looking for because we yeah. talked about what the occasion could mean. Like we talked about the feeling that we might be able to be feeling after the game, and it was a performance that we were proud of. It was a performance that we, you know, we we were setting out to to try and accomplish and achieve. And um, yeah, it was it was amazing. It was a lot of fun. So I, I love the end of that. I'm a obviously a huge Mavericks fan, <laughs> and when I was growing up, is when they became really good, and it had been just an embarrassing product beforehand but I remember when they finally made the playoffs in 2001 uh, for whatever reason this stuck out in my brain with Mark Cuban saying hey this will never be a goal for us again and you said that in there like at some point we're going to expect this Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. getting into the conference tournament uh, isn't going to be the goal can you speak to that yeah that's that's absolutely right I mean we uh, we talked you know in the lead up to that game and talking about what it could mean we we talked about you know expecting it you know we know we can go out and we can win this game. We can kind of control our own destiny. So, like, that, that that's the expectation we step on the field with tonight, you know. And then to be able to kind of walk into that was was inspiring. I mean, I meant everything that I said. Those were, those were you know, chosen words of just how I felt in the moment after watching them do that. And, um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that's a big difference going into year three is, is that the expectation now is – you know, we've got a team, we've, we've got personnel, we've got, uh, you know, uh, a group of hungry, hungry players, uh, who now we can talk about, you know, the goal is not just trying to have a winning season or let, let's squeak into the tournament. Some of those things were great and very appropriate for our first couple of years, but, uh, we're, we're going into this season, you know, with, uh, not just, goals hey this would be amazing to do but you know expectations mm-hmm. of this is this is what we should be doing and and this is what we should be striving for because we have you know everything here uh, that we need to to do it with so um absolutely i mean i think that's part of the changing uh of the of the culture and and kind of the evolution of who we want to be and our identity as a program and um you know, we we got the taste of of mm. playing those meaningful games last year and and last season, and makes uh, you hungry. Yeah, we want to do it. Yeah. We want to do it again. Yeah. I want to I want to talk unless you got something here. Well, you just to, to go on about that Lubbock Christian game. I mean, 
it was they were actually ahead of us in the table at that at that moment in the season. It, like Lubbock Christian, they're always a good a good solid squad, and expecting nothing less from them this year going forward. Also, but uh, they were ahead of us in second. We were in third. If we beat them, we jumped them going into the last game day of the of, of the conference season. And so going out there and, and also not just beating them one zero, but getting a three zero result at home uh, and you know jumping them in the in the standings just added you know kind of more to that as well. And then. Obviously, going in the UT Tyler game, what happened there was awesome. Also, so so you have that that highest of highs, and even a couple games later, uh, Paul uh, Peyton again uh, mm-hmm. scores in I think the eighty fourth minute to to clinch you the number two seed against UT Tyler. So that had to feel pretty good. It did uh, yeah. getting a, a little bit of revenge there. Um, but we obviously got to talk about how how it ended uh, against Midwestern State. You get into the conference tournament and uh, you know, end up losing uh, on PKs. Uh, but first of all. It seemed like it was going to be that storybook ending, and it was your brother uh, yeah. who did it. Ethan yeah. uh, scores with 30 seconds left uh, on a set piece. Yeah. And first of all, yeah. for you seeing him, Riley, your brother, yeah. that that might have meant more to you than scoring your own goals. Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, that, was, that was crazy. Like, it was just – it was an awesome, awesome game. Obviously, leading up to that, like, uh, went down – in the first half, came from went into halftime one down one zero. Jonathan Leach again scores off of uh, it was either a set piece in the corner or a corner, mm-hmm. gets another header uh, and ties us. Um, then we go into OT, go down, and then yeah, that moment is just insane. Like it, it was crazy. It's what you kind of dream of as a player. Um, and yeah, getting to watch it from the sidelines for like with him obviously is just super special. But you know, trying to find that balance relationship between like brother and player and coach and stuff has been challenging, but. Um, it's been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. But that game, just in, as a whole, it's just insane. I mean, we we can spend hours talking sure. about that match. Um, but obviously, it's a disappointing way to to end the season. But you see the fight and you see the belief there. And like that's a Midwestern State team that was ranked number three in the country earlier in the year. Um, won the tournament. Goes into the I believe made it to like the Sweet Sixteen of the NCAA tournament. And so, you know, they're always a good side, and to take them to PKs um, and push that limit there was it was super fun to see. Obviously, disappointing result, but that's just kind of sums up our season. Not not the loss, but just like the the coming back from behind twice and like the never quit and the you know, mentality. Um, and honestly, I think our our DNA as a program is tied into that. If I had to look back onto something like if I had to you know give one sentence of what our program is about i think it's just playing with heart i think that's what it's come to in the past two years that's the 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 progress that we've seen obviously that we want that to stay true always going forward but uh just playing with that belief that we're gonna win or like there's nobody we can't step on the field and not compete with anybody type Mm -hmm. thing like playing with that heart is awesome and you saw that on full display against midwestern state last year i would imagine that's one of the hardest things as a head coach jess what do you say to a team who fought their tails off uh, and just falls short? Your season comes to an end. Um, how do you encapsulate uh, that message that, that you had to the team afterwards? And, and then how does that fuel you going into the off season into year three? Yeah, I think um, I've been I've been in, in collegiate athletics or involved with a college program now. I, I don't know, 12, 13 seasons now. I, I don't know exactly. Um, but I've learned a lot, and that moment um, is one of the moments that sticks out, or that game sticks out to me as as uh, an opportunity for me to learn. And we we talked all season, and uh, you know, over the course of the last two years about you know growth and having a growth mindset and how important that is. And um, you know, we try not to we try not to ask anything of our players that we're not willing to do ourselves. And so we always have to be critiquing and and analyzing and thinking, uh, how can we get better in this area? Like, how can we lead the program better? How can we be a better coach? And we're we're trying to evolve at the same time that we're asking our players to evolve. And I remember um, that moment being an incredible high, right? Of uh, Ethan Unger has just scored. I mean, right at the, right at the death. I mean, it's season over and, and he, bangs this thing off the bottom of the crossbar and and it's in it's a goal it's uh it was an incredible finish an incredible moment of putting putting the pressure on his shoulders and 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 kind of standing up Mm -hmm. to it i mean it was so i my regret is going into then right after that moment um we're all fired up Mm -hmm. including myself and i go into that huddle kind of like we are not losing this game guys like we 
this is this is our game to win and and kind of brought some fire into it in a moment that I think probably should have brought some calm confidence you know um we're we're, we're about to go into penalty kicks um for the first time in program history. For the first time in program history, uh, in, in in a semifinal, it could send us to a final versus you know an in-state rival and in, in a program with tremendous amount of success in Midwestern State. I mean, what it would mean to us to win the game, and uh, you know, there's a ton of psychology in, involved in in taking PKs and confidence and this and that and. You know, I think I thought um, that would instill some confidence of like it's like it's going to happen for us. But I think the players maybe would have reacted better to just, hey, take a deep breath, like little positive self-talk. Let, let's bring it back down, you know. Um, and we, we kind of moved through that moment just maintaining that high of like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe what just happened. Here we are. Here we go. Coaches fired up. Players are fired up. And um you know that that may have had an effect on kind of their their mentality as they step up and take a spot kick, and obviously, you know, we we uh, we didn't get the results uh, that we wanted, missing maybe the first couple that we uh, we kind of yeah. put ourselves in a deficit kind of early on, and you know, and that's that's always difficult to climb out of, and you know, very capable players and players we would trust over and over again in those moments, you know, didn't. Uh, succeed in that moment uh, for whatever reason but um you know I think it's just something for me to learn a little bit I mean I think you you have to it's really interesting to uh think of like those moments of you've you've got to think so quickly but sometimes act so slow and and you've you know, I think it was a moment just to kind of like slow things down and bring things back and um I may may have got that wrong but I think that's where we're where we're always just trying to kind of be authentic in the pursuit and in the journey, and and there's always something for us to take away, whether we win or we lose. Let's let's get better. Let's be better the next time we step out. And um, you know, I think there's been a lot of growth that's taken place as a program over the last couple of years, and and obviously we're excited to just kind of continue to see it all play out in front of us this year. So mm-hmm. you, you turn the page then, and you're going into to year three, and with the success that you've had the last couple of years, as you continue to build, like wh- what is it? that excites you the most, uh, that, that you're the most fired up about? Um, and maybe there's specific goals, maybe there, there's not, but what are you most fired up about going into this this third season? You know, I, w- a lot of what we've been talking about is just how difficult it's going to be for us as coaches. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've got some incredibly hard decisions to make coming up in terms of personnel and combinations and some of that. So, you know, obviously that's exciting as a coach. Those are some of the things that you love to do. You love to kind of work out the the system, the the tactical approach in your mind and kind of figure out and see how pieces come together. And I think that's something that we're pretty fired up about is getting some answers to some of those things because mm-hmm. it's been it's it's been a good solid three months. We've you know had a pretty good core of the team. We had some late additions, you know, this summer but we've had you know, pretty good idea what our personnel was going to look like, you know, in terms of recruiting class and some transfers that are coming in and some of that. And, and you can always make those projections, but we don't really know until we get into it, until it's time to do it. And, and we're in training sessions and players are in form or maybe out of form or, you know, it, it, over the course of a season, uh, it's inevitable that you know, injuries of some form or another will, will play a part. And, um, just confidence, uh, if nothing else, just, um, you know, players ability to, to kind of stay consistent. And so I think just getting answers to some of that is probably just really exciting because we've been waiting a long time to yeah. move forward with this group and the, the anticipation, uh, from, you know, what we experienced last season to finally get to do it again. So, um, but I'm also really just excited about the group and we've got, we just feel like we've got some great kids, some great guys, um, and uh, you know, opportunity to see see some growth on the soccer field, but also just seeing these guys mature and seeing them grow up as young men, and and just uh, you know, be be great great people to work with is is uh, a lot of fun for us. So we're we're excited to kind of just let it all unfold. Yeah, yeah, I would say just kind of piggyback off that the group, uh, just the guys that we have on the roster. I think. You know, the last two, including last year, like enjoyed our boys on the roster as well. Like we, we are fortunate to work with just some really good young men. Obviously, like going into games and playing games and competing is loads of fun and love that part of it. But like for these this semester, we 
do almost every part of life with these boys. And so, um, you know, especially like two days, we're with them like a lot. Like we eat meals together. We do like classroom sessions. We got film. We got two training sessions a day, stuff like that. Um, just getting to be with them every day. Uh, you know, obviously we get to be at a place at DBU to where we're able to pour into them more than just like from a soccer standpoint. Obviously we've got a spiritual uh, standpoint here as well that we take very seriously and love that part of it. Um, ultimately we want them to leave DBU in four years, right? Like hopefully better young men than when they came and ready to be great husbands and, and fathers and, you know, obviously continue to be great sons and brothers and things like that. But just getting to, you know, be around them so much is just such a fun part of it. We're very relational driven coaches. I think we really love the relationship side of it because that gets us, you know, allows us to know them on a better level and what motivates them, what demotivates them. When are they having a bad day or like just notice some things that are off or like, man, this guy's in a great mood today. He's really firing like stuff like that. So um, that's the part that I think, you know, me personally, us as the coaching staff talk about a lot is just getting to do life with them and have those yeah. kind of relationships is awesome. So I got a few minutes left and I, I want to talk about just building culture, um, mm. and, and changing that mindset. And one of those things is, uh, the number ritual that, that you've got now. Can mm. you, can you tell us a little bit about how important that is in determining which player gets which number? Yeah, it. uh, yeah, so last year we started uh, a numbers and captains presentation is sort of a, a working title or what we've been calling it, what we called it last year, what we're going to call it again this year. And, you know, we've got some plans in the future. There's kind of this bigger picture of kind of taking that, making it even even bigger in terms of who we're including in that and um, kind of kicking off the season. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a neat thing. It's uh it's something that's pretty different, I think, probably, and I don't, I don't know many other programs uh, collegiately that do something, maybe do something similar, but not to where their coaches are um, selecting jersey numbers. Uh, so obviously, we we ask for feedback. They have a chance to uh, implement sort of their opinion or preference or what jersey they'd really like and desire, but um, we're deciding that, and a lot of it's based on I think really started out of just a a deep love and appreciation for the game that, um, you know, that started for me as a, as a young kid. You know, I, I remember watching the world cup for the first time as an eight year old and held, you know, hosted here in the United States in 1994. And, um, that's kind of where things kind of caught fire, uh, for me, but, uh, you know, a big part of the historical game, the, uh, the culture of, of soccer historically has has been kind of the significance of the number that you wear uh, and that being tied to maybe the role that you play on your team, like being a playmaker or being a, a ball winner or, um, you know, in, in the position that you play. Uh, so that's that's been a lot of fun for something to be kind of implemented and, and um, just, I think, uh, a way of really – instilling a lot of pride uh, in, in the players in terms of what jersey that they're wearing and the significance of that jersey, not just the crest, you know, representing Dallas Baptist University, but also, you know, the, the responsibility that comes with wearing that jersey and, um, you know, having some goals in the in the future and to, you know, as they become more experienced and upperclassmen to be kind of striving to want to wear this jersey or that jersey. And, you know, obviously it's not, not a perfect science. There's some players are like, I, I, my first jersey when I joined the varsity team at my high school was number 19. I really want to wear 19, coach, you know, and it's like, well, but we've got this in mind for you. I think you I know? heard you have that exact conversation <laughs> yeah. a couple of weeks yeah. ago with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, shout out to Leo. But, um, <laughs> you know, it. it uh, I think for the most part, though, the guys have really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's something just, it's different. It's, it's unique. Um, it gives us an opportunity to kind of, showcase and highlight who we think you know some of our leaders and influence are going influencers are going to be um but we don't want it to stop there either um you know there's there's uh, individuals that you know, get the opportunity to represent their teammates you know with a formal title of leadership but i think if we want to talk culture for a few minutes i mean leadership needs to happen up and down the roster you know from from us all the way down to our you know, least experienced freshmen and, and how they're leading themselves and, and how they influence others. And uh, so we, we don't want it to stop with a formal title, but it's kind of a neat way to sort of celebrate some individuals, celebrate New Jersey's and culture. We also reveal our our new kit, you know, our new jersey for the, for the season. And the, the boys always like that. We get dressed up and, mm. 
Um, you know, the guys are always looking, looking clean and swagger, yeah. looking mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Showing off a little swagger as they walk in. And so it's just kind of a neat thing for us. It was a lot of fun last year. We're really looking forward to doing it again. I want to end with, with this, just in, in terms of culture. And I think the, the best way to do this is to pretend that you're talking to a recruit. Yeah. Um, there's competitive programs, there's great schools, there's great coaching staffs all throughout the country. So what is it about DBU soccer, and, and this will be the final word, I think, from both of you guys. What is it that, that sets you guys apart in, in your mind? And, and I guess really the recruiting pitch that you would give to someone of, of why this program is the right place for you. Man, that's great. Great question. Loaded question. Um, I like asking those. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's a good one to end on. I think, um, you know, Riley mentioned a lot about the relationship piece. Like, I think we. We really want players to see an opportunity to be a part of our program as a, an experience where they're going to ex- going to have growth, uh, and and not just like we want everybody to come in here and want to be a better soccer player and figure out how they can kind of move themselves forward from a career point of view and do this better and do that better and uh, you know and, and trust us as coaches that we can you know, provide opportunities and a vehicle to, to take them there, you know, whether they have, uh, goals to, to play professionally and, uh, and, and after their experience or whether they just see playing a, a four year college career and going on and, and being professional in something else. We, we obviously want them to come in and want to be a better soccer player, but we also want them to come in and, and want them to be you know, better at building relationships and, you know, being, being a better teammate and being better at, at, you know, putting your own interest and and your your own kind of desires and and some of you know what what you really want for yourself being being better at putting some of that aside sometimes and saying that uh, you know I really want what's best for the team and um, and I can make an impact uh, no matter what role I play on this team and in this program and and I'm going to build some amazing relationships uh, in the process. Um, we, we want our players to feel like we're in the trenches with them and, mm-hmm. and not using them and moving them around on a chessboard and, and kind of what, you know, what is it that you can do for me to help build my resume as a coach? It's, yeah. you know, we're going to build that together. You know, we're, we're, we're going to do that together. If, uh, if, if I'm successful, it's because you're successful, you mm-hmm. know, and if, if, uh, if, if we're, if we're doing something special, it's because you're a part of it, you know, and, and that can, I think very, very commonly be misconstrued and very commonly be taken out of context of that the only way you can have a positive impact on your program and on your team is if you're the the guy, right? If you're you're leading the team in minutes and if you're scoring all the goals and getting the assists or you're you're coming up with the clutch tackles, you know, right in front of goal and some of that. And um, you know, I think uh, our success will be measured by. Uh, how well each and every player on our team identifies with with their role and and um, you know with uh, the impact that they can make on our on our roster and on our team success this mm-hmm. season. So, you know, I think we we want prospects to see that opportunity and we want them to value that opportunity. And you know, I, I mentioned kind of Riley having a lot of these qualities and players. You know, when he was a player to to what we look for in players um, now and and that's you know that's a part of it we we want them to want the same things and we want them to kind of at the end of the day their their uh, philosophy and their desire for for their experience to be very similar to ours um and you know some of the non-negotiables just to to help you know any prospective student athletes out there are are hard work rate i mean mm-hmm. we 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 want to be a team that comes in every day and is accustomed to working hard i mean there's if, if we're going to do something special if we're going to accomplish everything we're going to set out to be it, it's not going to be without you know the grind without mm-hmm. without working really hard and so that's a quality that we look for very early in the recruiting process and the mentality that comes with that um but we also recruit the person and uh, we also recruit families you know we want to get to know mom and dad and the family structure and the family dynamic and um, you know, we want them to feel like they have a part to play also in this experience and take a lot of pride in, in you know, what, what's going to take place over the course of four years, but feel like, you know, they're going to have a part in it. They're going to have a role in it. They're going to have an impact in it. Yeah. 100%. Re- relationships like is immediately what comes to mind. Like that, that is the thing that we will always have at like the center of our program. But I think something and the boys, the boys have done a really good job of like developing this within their culture without us, like kind of playing a part in it. Of course, like 
two a days around like the start of each year we're hammering this home but i think they really take it to heart throughout the rest of the year is like just having pride for this program and i i truly think like we we play with like as much or more heart than anybody else in the conference in the country. I think that that's something that you've just seen a traumatic or dramatic, like change and increase in the past, you know, each year we've been here, you can see that more and more, um, like having pride in, in representing DBU, um, and caring about your teammates and, you know, playing with that, that heart is, I think something that sets us apart. But yeah, like Jess said, you know, relationships is really big and that starts with with us as coaches right like i i think we, we spend a lot of time together when uh, you know simon actually lands today our new ga and so we're going to get to know simon really well spend a lot of time with him but like i think we have a really good staff dynamic with really you know good relationships which hopefully right like trickles down to the boys and they can see that interaction and you know jess has done just a, a really really good job on changing a lot of things since he's gotten here um and a lot of those are off the field which mm-hmm. are things that we've talked about a lot already but you know relationships expectations setting the standard like holding the line right like you know it's life so there are some things where you know you got to show grace here and there and 100 percent like we want to be a team of grace but like there's also things where it's like no we're going to do it this way and this is how it is and um you know jess has done a good job of finding that balance i think um between what you know you need to show some grace on and one it's like no like this is the expectation of our program and where we're going to go so um you know it's just been it's been a lot of fun past you know two and a half going into our third year so we're excited for the future i'm excited so. too can't wait to see what happens this year thanks for doing this guys this was great yeah thank you yeah, Brandon. thank you it was awesome. always. good luck this year thank you thank you